Chapters 51 through 60 of Krylov's Fables by Ivan Andreevich Krylov, selected and translated by C. Fillingham Coxwell, M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Chapter 51 The Sportsman. A sportsman seized his bag and cartridges and gun, whistled to Jolly Rover, trusty friend, light-hearted, and to the woods for birds departed, but loaded not his piece, as if the game were won. Novel was such a strange omission. "'Tis well, says he, relief from toil is my ambition. The birds are never near. Twill turn out later right. The coveys slowly come in sight, and then I'll get to work and load with all my might. Scarce had he left his dwelling, when sudden a fate at jest against him might be telling. Along the lake some ducks flew up, both swift and steady. The sportsman easily could take two pair or half a dozen, were he ready, to kill. For many days have food at will. Alas, our reckless one not yet can try his skill. Though he loads quickly, no, for now the birds were showing themselves to knowing. So when he was at last prepared, they loudly whirred by fear excited, and flew beyond the copse by the same hope united, a wish for safety shared. In vain the marksman paced the woods in many a section. Never a little sparrow went in his direction, but trouble fresh was piled on care, foul weather ne'er abated. His weary spirits flag, he can his limbs an empty bag, scarce homeward drag, blaming vile fortune, cries the journey was ill-fated. Chapter 52 The Lion, the Chamois, and the Fox a lion, who a chamois followed, and now had nigh his quarry caught, indulged in many a luscious thought, enjoyed the morsels to be swallowed, while nothing came, hunter and prey between, blocking the further path, appeared a large ravine. But lo, the chamois, lightly gathering her forces, sprang like an arrow from a bow, flew high above deep water courses, and from the other side surveyed her foe below. The lion stops in wonder, regards in awe the spot where cliffs are rent asunder, approaches then a fox, and says, O monarch, agile, fleet, thou never yieldest? Thou greater vigor than a chamois wieldest. Tis surely possible to clear these little rocks. The gulf is somewhat wide, still from a hunter eager, twill need but effort meagre rely upon thy friend's discretion and be wise i would not such a peril to thee now advise nor myself trouble but for thy skill in every enterprise the lion's blood begins to seethe and bubble he hurls himself with all his sinewy might but failing to reach quite the object of his flight head foremost falls disaster meets past mending and what about his comrade true he slyly in the narrow cleft descending forthwith the uselessness of further fawning knew and wrought his pleasure in comfort ease and at his leisure said for the dead a prayer alone and nibbled in a week the lion to the bone 
Chapter 53 The Workman and the Peasant A workman and a peasant old at eve slow homeward strolled. But sudden, where the wood was thickest, were prompted to the question, who should scape the quickest? Scarce had the peasant breathed, before a bear, its claws unsheathed, and trod him under, turned him over, then selected, whither attentions finally should be directed, clearly the old man's hour arrives. O oh, dearest Stephen, hasten, strike with vigor, he calls, as neath the beast, to free himself he strives. Our modern Hercules, cutting a splendid figure, and using mighty force, cleaves the bear's skull in twain, shows new resource. Thrusting in Bruin's paunch a pitchfork with all rigor, loud roared the bear, and soon in pangs extreme from earthly life departed, whereon the peasant rose to scream words that appeared the hardest-hearted, astounded Stephen stares aghast. What's wrong, he says, what's wrong, only your folly vast. You ask me while I feel displeasure. The fur is spoilt through your mad measure. Chapter 54 Fortune and the Beggar Holding a threadbare sack, a beggar loitering, where signs of wealth abounded, bewailed of all good things his lack, reflecting, grew confounded that who in opulence and luxury and ease inhabits choice apartments is yet hard to please however much his pockets may be bursting for more he is thirsting covets to such an extent that in his crazy hunger he may like any money-monger lose all and so to loud lament give vent how long, with what surpassing strokes of fortune, here an old merchant plied his trade? Despite his riches vast, no one could him persuade to take his leave of toil, and making less parade, no more for gold a fickle fate importune, or ocean's surface yet he sent his ships to roam, lusting for gain, oft hostages to nature offered till last the treasures for the sea's destruction proffered found in the deep their home and his prodigious store remained beneath the foam another here a speculator a million roubles quickly won alas attempts to double them were never done till losing all he grew on chance a luckless waiter thousands of such examples rush into the mind men wilfully are blind here strangely came dame fortune and herself presented thus to the beggar said listen to help you i should more than be contented these ducats shall be well augmented your sack beneath now spread but i will pour them forth only on one condition though golden are the coins that you from here will haul if e'er from out the bag a single one shall fall, ended is your ambition. But ne'er a chance forget that clearly I forewarn how strictly you must keep the terms of this arrangement. The sack is very old. Ensure not my estrangement by letting it through greed be torn. The beggar now from joy is scarcely breathing, smiles his whole countenance are wreathing. He opens wide his bag 
whither an unseen hand to pour a sum untold has generously planned the sack's already weighing somewhat heavy is it enough not yet will it not crack oh no but look eucrosius still i would a little levy a trifle more please throw be cautious how you act the bag is strained below another tiny pinch but now the sack is tearing and all the wondrous heap has turned to common dust fortune has vanished with the bag before him thrust the beggar stares then sighs resumes his way despairing chapter fifty five the hare at the hunt collecting in a mighty crowd the beasts a shaggy bruin captured and slew him that they might enraptured distribute as allowed to each a proper portion i'd like an ear a hare said meaning no extortion squint-eyed strange-browed they quickly cried thou darest ask an ear none at the chase remarked that thou wast near replied she brothers i'd no fear but drove him from the forest finished his career and terrified him well i am a puissant friend such dreadful boasting coupled with a claim excessive amuses them at once impressive they to her paws a morsel of the ear extend chapter fifty six the mistress and her two maids an aged dame addicted much to grumbling and ever her displeasures mumbling had two young serving-maids unhappy pale and thin whose task from early morn till evening latest was tireless at the wheel to spin their course of life remains the straightest no change arrives comes no advance to keep them breathless at the spindle is the old woman's rule her efforts never dwindle she takes them from their slumber with imperious glance proceeds to make the spindle dance perhaps the mistress harsh her rule had once retarded but that at hand was kept a certain cock which crowed until she sleep discarded assumed a curious nightcap and a smock next in the stove a faggot lighted and threatening made her way into the spinner's room thence roughly hailed them to their day of painful gloom or used for stubbornness a broom their weakness for repose successfully indicted how vainly they demure to the command with frequent yawns receive it alas although the warm bed they prefer they must with suddenness decide to leave it always as soon as crows the soulless eager bird the maidens by the scolder's phrases greeted are woke for treatment stern repeated would you were dead was often heard the spinners through their teeth thus angrily complaining but for your noise we'd sleep a while in bed remaining take care you'll some day come to harm then choosing a dark hour and scorning pity they twist its neck cause no alarm and next they that desired a situation pretty had brought about a scene reversed from that rehearsed tis true poor chanticleer had ceased to do his worst as he no more was breathing but dread of lateness in the mistress mind was seething 
she gave the maid small chance to shut their weary eyes before she came again the wretches to surprise for earlier than the cock had ere his clamour lifted the spinner's truth from error sifted they from a hardship slight to evils vast had drifted chapter fifty seven trishka's coat our trishka's coat has near the elbows given should be forthwith repaired when for a needle he has striven he slices off a quarter from the sleeves and binding well the ends a victory achieves his naked arms are scarce a cause for gladness and yet he feels no sadness when others laughing asks if he is cool the little fellow says i am not quite a fool and will repair my blunder that sudden act of mine makes people wonder oh trishka was indeed a sage coat-tail and lappets he divided and having done his best an evil to assuage wore with bliss of early age a novel garment oft derided i've noticed that in this great land some country squires indulging their desires are apt in trishka's mood to argue drolly directing their affairs for present reasons wholly chapter fifty eight the ant a certain ant displayed a vigour strange and lusty seldom his curious species to such force attains for instance on the word of a historian trusty he could from off the ground upraise two barley grains moreover his great courage caused underlying wonder for if on walks he chanced to meet a worm he'd tear its shape asunder unaided he could hold a spider firm moved by such recent truths not legends hoary within the ant-hill where he dwelt with but his valiant deeds the conversation dealt as for the hero bold of this surprising story homage from others was his life's especial glory amused him well afforded due nutrition for his ambition when neath the influence of travelling he fell for town became his passion rooted there his vast merits should be bruited on to a load of hay betimes he safe besides the driver climbs and makes a journey long and splendid though soon his pride receives a fatal blow he thinks the whole bazaar will haste to see the show alas hey ho scant notice is to him extended for each is busy with his own affairs now the ant takes a leaf its surface stretches falls down springs up again a burden fetches folk pass him unawares fatigued at length with all such evolutions thrilling vexed to the soul he to the mastiff said that on his master's hay he made a pleasant bed barbos now to confess be willing that in this wretched spot both sight and sense are unbegot no passer-by implies that he a guerdon owes me an hour of toil has made me hot better my daily lot at least the far-off ant-hill knows me and grumbling thus ashamed he homeward went so one of simple bent and lonely fancies his wit the world confounds but it astounds his little circle only chapter fifty nine the cuckoo and the eagle 
a cuckoo from the eagle won a prouder style now dubbed a nightingale it did of an aspen shade avail it with valiant effort would beguile the other feathered singers forthwith all fly away some mock aloud and some with scornful notes inveigh angry the cuckoo briefly lingers then to the eagle with an urgent message hastes i pardon ask adventures but by your direction was i not raised to form the other's tastes and now they dare to laugh at my perfection my friend the eagle said i wield no magic rod and cannot shield you from your present dire misfortune that they should call you nightingale i could importune but as to changing you though king i am not god chapter sixty the false accusation tis simple if you wish a wicked deed to smother to put the blame upon another men oft are prone to say but that he prompted us we had not acted or if in other ways attracted they will the fault on satan lay although he none has evilly distracted of a tendency behold an instance clear turning to eastern lore a brahmin's history here who while in word and aspect pious was not averse to doubtful deeds brahmins may show a moral bias a fact not unimportant for our story's needs the brotherhood one reads possessed a member young less holy than were his fellows good and lowly he erred in this he could resent that chance for license came in his direction slowly but he ne'er openly acknowledged discontent however the same brahmin not dejected upon a fast day grew affected strangely ambitious felt to have a private feast finding an egg he paused till midnight tarried and then from caution's need released his treasure to the candle carried oh steadily the egg above the light he turns and watching zealously in thought a morsel swallows while next a fear his chief may know as surely follows if of my sin he ever learns but no the tyrant i don't fear him soon i shall eat and take my fill suddenly he feels a chill the dread superior standing near him astounded by the crime fiercely demands an explanation the proof self-evident precludes prevarication o oh, father grant sublime forgiveness from your nature gracious thus prays the brahmin through his tears alas i must confess that spiteful and audacious the devil urged me with his horrid sneers an imp's voice grates behold a scandal how dare you shift responsibility to us to whom you've shown a plan both new and humorous never before it happened thus to cook an egg upon a candle end of chapters fifty one through sixty recording by kevin davidson www.blogordie.com